Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com proceed with caution all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Well, thank you, my good sir, for this delicious little tasty cup of bone broth you brought me. Now everybody's going to hear us slurping hot yeah. juice all all uh podcast that didn't sound very good I'm it's cold slurping. cold wisconsin speaking of slurping hot juice you brought this balenciaga issue to my attention and asked if uh <laughs> i had ever heard of karmic retribution or whatever you said and started looking it up and the title of the article is when high fashion and q anon collide well so i get what the worry is here right it's it's these it's a child clutching a teddy bear purse with what is this like leather gear? I guess what would you call the S and M gear or bondage gear on the teddy bear purse? That's pretty fucked up. I get it, but I'm gonna go ahead and talk about the purple elephant in the room here. We're talking about this, right? Yeah. This has made it on probably a majority of most major news conglomerates 
um, conservative celebrities are throwing out their Balenciaga clothes. This literally could just be a fucked up idea of how to get a bunch of free advertising. Because the more, the more like disturbing and fucked up the imagery, the more people are going to have a shit fit about it. And the more people are going to talk about it and the more free marketing you're going to get. You could, yeah, but no, it always happened. It, it, but you're it, risking losing. So what are you? Market what, share. what are you risking? Nobody like you and me give a fuck, right? We're not buying Balenciaga. This isn't a thing. You're not I risking. Never, I never even heard of that. You're not risking prior to this. You're but, not risking. Well, now you have. But the company itself. So she's doing risk. something right. Yeah, they're risking a little bit of the market share. Are they? Because it it becomes a moral issue, right? So this this is only like a the only reason it's garnering attention is because there's a huge uh I mean everything is under the microscope right now for grooming kids. And uh you know anything slight like this uh is going to be put under a microscope and guess what you're going to have people taking sides. You are 100% right, but this goes under my same exact argument of why diesel fuel is 5 fucking dollars a gallon and gasoline is 3 dollars a gallon. Because they, the people, they, they it, don't care that they, lose they don't the, give a fuck the right. about the right. They don't give a fuck about people that give a fuck about this. They don't care. We're not target market. We're not demographic. We're not going to buy this shit. We're not. But you have the celebrity like, uh, you know, Jason Aldean's wife. who's was very upfront and and being very story. open about it and telling everyone about her Balenciaga stuff that she has. So then extending the marketing campaign, the free marketing campaign for this company. Yeah. But from what, you know, there's no, no bad press. You ever heard that? All press is good press. Yeah. In the, in the marketing world. Yeah. yeah. I and I, and I, and I agree like this is fucked up. I am not condoning anything that's going on here, but I also am not going to sit here and look at this and say that this has any, this was ever purposefully put out for child grooming. This is a, on their part yeah. a fucked up but really intelligent advertising angle. So what you're saying is that the marketing team probably came together and say, "Hey, this is going to be you know create let's a be, stir." Yeah, there's, let's there's let's headliner. be really let's be really loud and out there, and let's do something that's gonna that's gonna cause some some uproar. What can Reg- we do? Regardless of any moral uh-huh. back on this, yeah. So I mean, I can see that. I definitely totally see that. But what it really does to me is it. There's a lot of companies now that are pushing stuff that's like this or close to this or even uh, events like the drag shows with kids, right? And it's almost like they're trying to throw the subject out there, right, and forcing people to take sides. Well, with, with, with the drag stuff and with the trans stuff, we are we are being spoon-fed some stuff that people expect us to just roll over and take because of the marginalization of some people that are in that category. Right. And we talked about it on the, on the Rosie Cataldo podcast. It's it's, there's no way a female dressed the way that drag Queens dress and acting the way drag Queens act. Um, should be in a school reading stories to kids. 
And that right. doesn't matter if that is a identify as female or biological female. You should not have people that are acting like that in any way. Reading stories to kids and doing, you know, strip tea shows in front of kids like this. That's just not a thing. Yeah. So there's, there's no way like this isn't even an argument about trans. This is an argument about drag queens. This is an argument about the type of people that you should be allowing to interact with your kids. Yeah. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. And, uh, you know, we talked about this uh, a couple of days ago about, you know, I'm involved in that diversity, equity, and inclusion group. That's, I don't know, at this point, it's just, that's pretty tough. And if you said something like this to them, then you would basically be whatever they're called, whatever ist they want to label you as, saying that, well, they're a marginalized group and they should have, you know, the right to do that and the right to present to our kids. White males, in general, have zero fucking backbone. They are so quick, and I'm not, this is very generalized, this is a very generalized statement. I realize that there is, there's a lot of you out there that are willing to stand up for what you believe in, but there's a lot more that have zero fucking backbone and apologize and apologize and apologize. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I'm, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to say this as, as, ge- as gently as possible. I'm done fucking apologizing. I'm done. I don't give yeah. a shit. If, if you have the balls to stand up to your moral guidelines, your ways of living, your hierarchy of, of importance in your life, then you have the balls to say, no, that, that's not okay. We're at a fucking jump. We're at a trampoline park today. My daughter is nine. There were a group of girls there at a birthday party that were good year to three years younger than my daughter. No idea. Fake nails, eyes done, really? yoga pants and tight t-shirts, just running around like they were like they were eighteen-year-old hookers. I wouldn't let my fucking eighteen-year-old dress the way these girls were dressed. Six or seven, that's uh, kindergarten, first grade. Yeah, really. And maybe they were just small for their age, and my daughter's yeah. tall for her age. But wow, it was it was it was embarrassing. But then you look, and it's these fucking moms that are useless. And overweight and probably fucking hate themselves living vicariously through their kids. Like it's basically a, a hoey version of honey boo boo. Yeah. Remember that shit? Yeah. I never really watched it. No, I've but you know, you know that. that yeah. You like, know, you've seen enough clips that it's, you know, and, and you that's, get the gist really quick. And it's just like, I like, no, stand up for this shit. Yeah. When you, when you have, uh, for the lack of a better word, when you have sexualized, a fucking nine-year-old or a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old, it's time to, fu- it's time to be fucking done. It's time to figure out what the fuck's going on here. Yeah. But what they're trying to do is normalize this behavior so that basically it'll be okay. But these little scary. girls, these little girls aren't, they have nothing to do with these people. What this is, is this is an outcome of social media. This is, they have seen, they have seen. This, these are the people that they idolize, the, the people that they follow, the people that, that they see get the hundreds of thousands of likes are these, you know, very sexualized 
young models. young women, Instagram models, young Facebook models, whatever they are, fans. and they're probably of age or close to of age or even you know into their their younger twenties. Yeah. But these girls idolize them. Their parents have zero fucking control over what they're what they're consuming as far as media. Yeah. And then these girls are trying to grow up way too fucking quick, man. Yeah. Way too fucking quick. Yeah. I mean, you ever see those uh, reels that there's this dude that runs up to every fancy car and he goes, what do you do for a living? Uh, yeah, I saw one. It was a porn star the other day. Oh, right. It was a Bentley. It was, she, goes, uh, she, goes, she goes, I take dick. Oh, <laughs> I didn't see that one. <laughs> But there's multiple ones where he just runs up to a car. There's either, you know, a gal in there, a couple of gals, and boom, they're like, oh, we're on OnlyFans. I made all my money on OnlyFans. And and there's one uh, Wisconsin gal that I know that went to Southern Cal. She's a, a power you know, power lifter, slash, kind of like a bodybuilder. But, you know, very, it's been very good on the, the morality side, but realizes that you know there's a nighttime version of her that gets to only fans and that's how she makes a ton of money so the money is causing her to basically well let's cross that line a little bit because it's so lucrative i mean that that is that is the 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 idea of that sin right like that the greed yeah. will make you betray your own moral conscience. Yeah. And I don't I have zero problem with somebody double clicking their own mouse on the internet for money. I do not fucking care. Because OnlyFans is is pay for only. It's not like these little kids are fucking getting on on OnlyFans and and watching these videos. Like I could give a shit. You're not really in my opinion crossing any moral lines. Don't care. So what is OnlyFans? Is that people porning themselves out or what? Oh, it could be anything, man. It could be as innocent as foot pictures to as dirty as custom-made porn specifically for people that pay for that video. It's a, it, it is a wide range. Basically, it also it is it's a pay window. OnlyFans as a site is a pay window for then you to get your followers to pay you for your content, whatever your content is. So it was created in 2016. People can pay for content, photos, videos, live streams via a monthly membership. Yep. Content is mainly created by YouTubers, fitness trainers, models, content creators, and public figures to monetize their profession. Hmm. So, I mean, you could, you could set up an OnlyFans where you literally just charge people $2 a month to like watch you clean your ears. And if you found enough people <laughs> that had ear fetishes mm. and they wanted to watch you clean your ears, yeah. you could make $10,000 a month. Wow. Crazy. It, it's just, it's as, you know, crazy as you want to make it or as innocent as you want to make it. Oh. So as a data guy, it's, I asked the question, what content sells best on OnlyFans? Photos or videos, especially those containing adult content. I mean, you're a dude. Like, are you going to pay for somebody like to talk about what they had for breakfast? I mean, I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't pay for OnlyFans, anyways. But I guess people do. A lot of people do. Like a whole lot of people. Yeah. One 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 of my buddies, um, 
<clears throat> somebody that works in one of the stores that he frequents hasn't been there very much. And uh, finally, she was working the other day. And he's like, where you been? And she's like, oh, yeah, I really don't have to work that much. I, I sell pictures of my feet on feetfinder.com. And that's where I make most of my oh, money now. Serious? Yep. Isn't there a commercial with some comedian? Gal? And she's like, that's where I make most of my <laughs> money now. And he's like, wait, what? She's like, yeah. And I just get, you know, pedicures every week and I take pictures of my feet every day and I post them up and guys pay a monthly, you know, three ninety nine or two ninety nine. And I have a few hundred followers or a few thousand followers. I don't even know what he, what, how many it was. Oh, just to look at feet. Just to look at. And, and so we, I think we've talked about this before, right? I've talked about the, the, the goats and the sheep with the fetishes. Mm-hmm. Did I talk about this? Where they split the goats and the sheep to the different herds? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to talk about it again anyways, because this, this makes... <laughs> the listeners so this, are going to be well-versed in this story. Yeah. So they take the pre-adolescent sheep and put them in with the goats, and they take the pre-adolescent goats and put them in with the sheep. They come to age, basically go through what we would consider puberty in humans, mm-hmm. with the opposite type animal, the opposite species. And so the male goats and the male sheep become sexually attracted to the female opposite species. So the sheep to goats, goats to sheep. And then after they get through all the way through puberty, they put them back with their own type. Yeah. The male goats have zero interest in breeding with the female goats. And the male sheep have zero interest in breeding with the female sheep. But the females don't give a shit. So basically what the idea that if you extrapolate this out, there's some point in time in the in the your pubescent years, and we're we we're guesstimating that there's something like this that happens in humans. We don't know exactly where all of your sexual attractions sort of develop. And so if you are in those prepubescent years and for some odd reason something happens with feet or something happened, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, who, who knows? I can't even think of a fucking story. That explains a hell of a lot, man. The Taliban goat herders. Right. Mm. And so that, that then becomes a fetish for you. And they think that this has a lot to do with the weird fetish lists that men have. Women don't have fetishes. They kind of do. A lot of girls like to get choked. They like to get, they like rough sex. Like it's, it's, it's there's some stuff in there that women like. My guess is that's a, that's a carryover from generations and generations and generations of raping and pillaging, right? Because that was how a lot of, if you, if you think about it, how many of the major, how many of the major um, populations were then taken over and turned into a new, a new race, right? You got, and so you have a lot of that carryover. We, we already know that trauma carries over we've we've found it out in the mouse studies where generations after they spritzed a citrus in the air and shocked these mice's feet their their grandkids still have a stress a stress reaction to citrus in the air so that's my guess with the with those few little things that women kind of generally have but men men are fucked up men have all sorts of weird fucking fetishes man we, we should get one of these fucking fetish girls on here and talk to her one time because I, I listened to there is an episode if you guys want to. There's an episode of Rogan way back, like probably in the early 300s where he brings on a, a fetishist and talks to her about and the fucking type of stuff that dudes pay for. They'll pay for bath water. They'll pay for pee in a bottle. They'll pay for her excrement. They'll pay for her gym, gym socks. They'll pay for her underwear. 
she's got one or two guys that literally pay her to financially blackmail them. So they give her all of their financial bank accounts, all of their credit cards, and then she blackmails them that, that she, you know, her, she's playing along, right? Because this is what they want. You know, oh, you, you little, you little, you little sissy man. You I'm going to tell your, I'm going to, I'm going to, Tell your wife, I'm going to spend all your money and then your wife's going to find out, you little fucking sissy, right? Like, just this weird shit. Their chicks aren't into weird shit like this. Only fucking dudes. And I was having this conversation with somebody and the guy's like, yeah, guys make money on OnlyFans though. I'm like, yeah, by dudes. (laughs) By dudes. You know? Makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, dudes are the one, we think of creative stuff. To do in our spare time back when we were young. No, I'm not even giving that one up to creativity. <laughs> I will not let you have that one. Oh, oh my goodness. Maybe it was the overseas that wrecked me. I don't know. <laughs> well, and that's a little different, right? Like, like yeah, we're, we're very creative, but it's not a fetish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a difference between like, eh. A let's see what happens if I crazy. Let's right? see what happens if I put this here. You know, right? Like <laughs> that's, that's true. That's, that's just being creative. That's true. That's true. Back in the old party days. I yeah, guess. yeah. But that's not a fetish. Okay. That fetish is like you need it. You'll pay for it. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think it's not like stuff. You're like, oh, what if I did this? No, oh, exactly. Maybe that'd be cool. Exactly. That's oh, just these creative. people are that's just cre- like addicted, like addicted. And it. like, there's a lot of people in that fetish world that that's like the only way they can get off. Well, is like on this weird shit. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Uh, the only news I see on that is like the there's a physics teacher that OnlyFans account got discovered by students. Hmm. You're the like the number one woman or top ten woman women on OnlyFans. She's a hot old lady, like super hot. Kirsty Buchan. I don't know what her name is. She uh, but her her kids go to private school, and I know she's called Jessica Jackrabbit. One of the dads, one of the dads, like came onto her, and she said no because she's not like that, and he turned her in for her OnlyFans, and she was making like two hundred thousand dollars a month. Oh, one of the dads was, like, trying to get with her? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, she needed the side money to raise, or side job to raise money for her ailing son. She's resigned after students learned of her lewd photos and OnlyFans. She probably doesn't need to teach anymore. <laughs> probably doesn't. You know? Gonna have to change her name or something. I like, mean, but once you once you come out and you just show people who the fuck you are, does it really matter? Yeah. You know, if you just own it, that's, that's, that's the part that I always hated about celebrities that when they get caught doing something yeah, and they backtrack and apologize and, oh, I'm going to change it. Just fucking own it. Just yeah. own it. Yeah. I fucking did that. Yeah. I said that, you know, well, she's although 50, Kanye, thousand rupees a month, 2000 rupees, rupees. I, how much is 2000 rupees? 50,000 rupees. Oh, 50,000 rupees. Uh, I don't know what the conversion is. It's probably more than a dollar or two. Close. Probably more than a dollar or two. Eastern India. Uh, wow. Hmm. Should we also cover steroids now that Liver King has? Oh yeah, you sent that to me. Completely and I was like... turned. He's completely turned his his leaf over. He is now widely admitting to usage of PEDs, which a lot of other people had already 
so he has that. been on he has been on many podcasts mm-hmm. completely contradicting the fact that he's ever used PEDs like hard like almost almost I mean now looking back going so hard at it because he was full of shit right but like yeah. talking shit about like Rogan because Rogan's like yeah dude's on steroids I don't care if he doesn't say if he says he's not he fucking is because oh, Rogan's right. open about his TRT you know and yeah. that's the thing that the, that's this so if you if you watch this bullshit this bullshit apology he completely flips it to the fact that he was trying to help people by promoting an ancestral lifestyle. And you've got all these people that are sick and ailing and, and committing suicide. And if they would just follow this ancestral lifestyle, then they would get out of that point. And he didn't want to ever admit to using anything because he thought it would take away from his, from his pushing the ancestral lifestyle. But the bullshit is, is by not owning it, now you've completely fucked anybody for believing you ever about yeah. anything. Whereas if you would have just owned it and come out and been like, yeah, you know what, guys, when I hit, you know, 40, my test was at 180. So we bring it right up to 750 and I ride at that 750 line. It's it's monitored by a doctor. You know, I'm, I'm at my testosterone levels of, a, of when I was 30 yeah. and it's and it's healthy. Right. If you would have just fucking owned it then people would believe him. He'd be fine. He wouldn't have blown. It's this, it's this fucking skyrocket that he needed to ride, right? This, this, his ego, his ego needed to see the growth in his numbers and see all this shit. And he just couldn't fucking be honest with anybody. Well, I think his family was uh, getting sick of it too. From what I saw from the articles, I don't follow him really. Yeah. I just see him like running around, uh, sometimes eating raw meat. You know, I heard what Rogan said, but yeah, I guy's kind of annoying. Yeah, for sure. What up, primals? What up, primals? You got to eat your, eat your liver. And the best part that came about all, out of all of this is all the fucking memes that of like liver with a big fucking Trenbolone sticker on it makes it look like an Eureka prescription for steroids. Like, oh, they're just memes everywhere. Well, yeah, I'll have to take a look a little more closely now. But I mean, dude was, was adamant that he had never used ever, but he's got fucking red skin and veins the size of fucking hot dog oh, yeah, garden hoses. Like- 25 inch arms my yeah. goodness yeah wow but he is also only like four foot three or some shit like he's a little guy really so you all yeah you, he's real he's real small oh so you look a lot bigger perspectively right when you're oh. shorter versus stretching that muscle out across so yeah the a, napoleon complex to him yep okay oh that's too bad well i guess we're 23 minutes in we should probably actually get to the real podcast right mm-hmm. i mean that's kind of what we what we do it's kind of how we do this shit so we, we were talking shit about mouth breathers the other day. Yeah. You remember that? And I was like, people are probably like, what the fuck are they talking about mouth breathing? Which is uh, weird because I just came upon a video. I was uh, working out the other day down in my basement. And uh, usually I'll have the video on, you know, these different uh, podcasts. And there's a dude that's on talking about if you, uh, if you learn how to not breathe through your mouth, like mouth breathers end up uglier. The nose breathers? Have you heard that? I I would like to see how they extrapolate the science behind that statement. Yeah, they said it's like it does stuff to your cheekbones, your your, your neck, and your overall how you take oxygen and how your chest and you know, so that it does that it does do like that. Like, I know wow, that really? I know the science behind that. Yeah. I know the science behind the the so basically what it does by by breathing through your nose, it slows down and gives some back pressure like if you the way that you could kind of understand what back pressure is is if you took 
one of those big, what are those, those big tubes from paper towel, right? If you took yeah. a big tube from paper towel and then you took a straw and try to <sighs> try to blow through the big tube and then try to blow through the paper towel and you can create so much more, pr- or, sorry, through the straw and you can create so much pr- more pressure through the straw because there's back pressure. So it's actually giving you something to push against. So you're kind of like, <sighs> right. And you're pushing against it and it's, it's giving your lungs something to, to press against. Whereas if you're pushing through that big, you can't move enough air to create any pressure through that big fucking paper towel tube. And so that's kind of the similarity. That's a really easy explanation of how breathing through your nose creates some back pressure. So what it does, it slows everything down. It makes you use the lower half of your lungs better. That oxygen is in your lungs longer and you're uh, a villi. Is that right? You're a villi? Aviola. 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 Whatever. The little sacs in your lungs, basically. Those actually in, have a longer time to intake oxygen, and they intake oxygen even during an exhalation. Hmm. So it basically creates a much more conducive system in your lungs for oxygen uptake. It also hydrates the air and warms the air coming in through your nose versus like the speed in which you can suck in air. Your nostrils and your snot are all made to take in um, filtering filter filtration to yeah. filter the air coming in. And so what this, what this all does is this ends up creating a much more higher uptake of oxygen. It creates a much stronger use of your lungs. It creates a slower breathing pattern. It creates a lot of the stuff that you get from conscious breathing, right? Versus unconscious, like mouth breathing, even unconscious nose breathing. You're getting the benefits of, um, hmm. Conscious breathing, the facial. Supposed to make you attract, less. I don't ugly. know about that. I don't know. You have to look that up, man. It's weird. I'm gonna have to look that one up. Yeah, I mean, it's so. It's funny because you know, said mouth breathers, you know, end up frumpy and you know, saggy. It's like, really. And and I wonder, right? Like, how much of that is correlative versus causational? Right? We talk about a mouth breather, like, behaviors. yeah. Um, Mouth, nasal breathing, generally people that are nose breathers are more intelligent. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a study? Um, yeah. They've, and, and that's the thing is we don't know if it's correlative or if it's causational. <laughs> um, it would make sense if you're high, if you always have more oxygen in your blood, your body is able to operate better. And if you're able to operate better, you're able to take on more things. You're able to learn more. You're able to operate more efficiently. Right. Hmm. So let's talk about. You know, do you know, how much do you know about the CPAPs? Because I don't know a whole lot about them. I don't know a lot about them. I do snore a little bit. I don't know if I, I'm, I'm scared to do a sleep study. Yeah, I think these, these are people that are like, the people that I know that have them are like out of shape, overweight. Definitely, I don't know, I'd probably put them in mouth breather. There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, bigger power lifters, bodybuilders that have to have them. They have to have it well because you got so much pressure in your frame. Yeah, you're sleeping on your back, especially. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how that works. If if that thing just turns on and shoves air. Yeah. So, your system. um, I I have I have seen uh, a guy that stayed with me from my work. We we go on work trips once in a while, and and he's like, "Oh, you're lucky. I got my, I I finally have a CPAP. Apparently, he used to snore really bad, which would piss me off because even though I snore, if somebody else snores really bad and they fall asleep before me, I have a fucking hard time falling asleep." But so I'll sleep with earplugs in. Like when I go with, when I go hunting with my dad, I'll sleep with earplugs in. But the CPAP, it's got like a little spot for water so that it moisturizes the air. 
and then it basically pressurizes oxygen and pushes it through enough that it like presses your airway open so that you're not like because when you suck you're sucking your your airway closed whether it's your tongue or whatever is going on so this is like pressurizing it and pushing air in more so it's like you got a rebreather in and basically it's just forcing kinda. it down your mouth and your nose kind of but it's fresh air every time instead of rebreathing it's the same yeah. idea Jeez. but i mean people that people that are supposed to use them and don't, and then they yeah. do, or people that have never used them and then they do, they're like, I was up at two in the morning, wide awake. Because they're getting so little sleep at night. They're getting so little positive sleep at night that their bodies are like basically just struggling all day, every day for energy. And then all of a sudden they're actually getting good sleep and they're actually oxygenated and their bodies are able to do everything it needs to do at night. And they're like fucking ready, raring to go at, two, three in the morning because their bodies are just used to no sleep. And now they're like, Oh, you got all this sleep. Really? Yeah. Gosh, man. I don't know. Everybody that I know that's on one that I know that's on one are like out of shape and they don't look like, man, they got a whole lot of energy to make it too far. Um, yeah, but I think we can't call that all on the CPAP. The CPAP is trying to help them, right? Like how much less energy would they have if they were getting, Half of their sleep is just, you know, them halfway dying at night. Isn't that like a red flag, though, of like, okay, if you need assistance to sleep and breathe, wouldn't you start looking for what's the root cause that I got to take care of on my body? Martin, people can't tie their fucking shoes. Okay, let's, let's... Like you, what, do you, what are you trying away, to say here? Let's you're, get away from idiots. You're putting your and okay? my, you're putting your and my mentality in the mind of somebody that's not. Like you can't oh. do. You, you, yes, yes, it should be a red flag. Like, it should but be a red flag. Probably seven thousand. Like, wow, probably should do something. There's probably seven thousand other red flags prior to having to have a CPAP, right? right? But how the hell do you get good sleep? Even if you're getting all the oxygen in the world, you got this little motor buzzing all night. Oh, it's quiet. I slept in the same room. I could didn't bother me at all. Are you serious? Yeah. And you got this tube attached to you, so yep. can you even, like, move? Yeah. Uh, I think, you you know, you you roll one way to the other way. It's, it's pretty, they're pretty small now. Wow. Like, I, I was not, it did not seem that, uh, whatever the word would be. Like, it didn't seem that annoying when he had it on. I don't know. Well, all right. Yeah, I guess I, I was just curious. But, yes, as far as red flags, like, let's fucking face it, there's probably 7,000 red flags prior to that. Yeah. But so all of this, all of this, these studies that talk about nasal breathing, I mean, improve lung volume, slow down breathing, increase oxygen uptake and circulation, increase airflow to arteries, veins, and nerves, humidify and warm up inhaled air, reduce exposure to foreign substances, lower your risk of allergies and hay fever, help your diaphragm work properly, reduce your risk of coughing, aid your immune system, lower your risk of snoring and sleep apnea, and support the correct formation of teeth and mouth like these are all just little lists of things that that's they've studied that show from from nose breathers right well but all of these studies are way after like people have been using the word mouth breather as a fucking as a as a derogatory term for 50 years so we knew this (laughs) (laughs) i guess i never knew the origin of it i should probably look it up who knows where the actual origin of the term is but i just love that that we've known this, and then all of a sudden it actually comes out to be real. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you, because you said something about it the other day. Yeah, you fucking mouth breather. Yeah. 
nose. That's why I'm going to have to look at the. The inside the nose is the olfactory bulbs with their direct extensions and part of the brain called the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is responsible for many functions in our body, particularly those that are autonomic, such as heartbeat, blood pressure, thirst, appetite, and sleep cycles. Right. So like it's by, if you're not using your nose at all, you're, you're Mm -hmm. bypassing a ton of these specific things that your body is trying to regulate. So it's kind of like driving around with no gauges, you know, that's true. All right, so I found it here. Mouth breather has been used as an insult for a stupid person since at least 1915. <laughs> and used for people who do it are sometimes said to be unattractive. <laughs> I guess that's what it means. Uh, man, I never thought of that. You see? I can see that. If you think about somebody just standing around with their mouth open, yeah, breathing. That's a, that's what like, I get it. You look at them, you're like, who's this fucking dipshit? You know, if you oh, think yeah. about somebody standing in the corner, like, <sighs> yeah, it's like private donut. You're like, oh, you fucking mouth breather. Oh, that wasn't even really our podcast is actually about anxiety, Sorry, but I wanted, yeah. but I wanted to get the mouth breathing out because it was like we talked about it, and I was like, fuck, we should we should actually mention it because people are going to listen to that podcast and go mouth breather. What what are they even talking about? <laughs> yeah, I just I've only heard it as an insult. Now it's like, oh, there's science behind it. Right? Anxiety. A lot of fucking people have anxiety. Hey, before you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just ran upon the profile of a mouth breather. Yes. Maybe this ties into it. So, all right, listeners, let's do some observation. Let's see if this actually fits. So, under the profile of a mouth breather, they have tired eyes, crooked nose, the receding chin, smaller airway, Narrow face and bad posture. Right, so so let's let's do some people watching and wonder, see if that really fits. I wonder if the bad posture is because by breathing through their mouth, their bodies are not oxygenated oxygenated enough, so their cells can't create enough ATP or enough energy to actually hold their system up. So they're kind of just slouched over because they got no energy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it would make sense, but. I'm going to have to go in and get my nose drilled out. <laughs> my nose is stuffed like half the fucking time. And no, I don't do blow, so don't give me that shit. I've never even seen cocaine. But my nose is stuffed like literally half the time around here. I don't know if it's just like the slightest allergies, but I'm always like lightly congested and it's annoying as shit. Yeah. I'm going to have to go in and get that drilled out. Like, all right, listen, I'm not going to be a mouth breather. I'm, my nose is getting a little stuffed. Could you just hack my holes out a little bit bigger? Well, readers, if you're uh, or listeners, if you're uh, out and about and you're doing some people watching or you're standing in line at Disney World for three hours per ride, I want you to do a little short study and see how many breather mouth breathers you can identify. Hold on, what if we what if we identified mouth breathers and then gave them a top half of the scale in attractiveness and bottom half of the scale in attractiveness. See if there's a correlation. See if there's a correlation. That makes more sense. And then I want somebody to take it upon themselves and count the amount, the percentage of mouth breathers ride on those little rascals. Because we're at (laughs) Disney. It's all fucking fat people on rascals just cruising around. Are you serious? Oh, you didn't see that when you were there? I don't know. I was was already in my bed. I was in a foul mood because it was hot. I think they rent out more rascals than they rent out strollers in that fucking place. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I didn't. I was was already too uh, irritated by then. Aw. 
but you're Asian. Aren't you supposed to deal with the heat fine? Yeah, it wasn't. It was not just the heat. It was like I felt like I was in a death box. It's like if for for those of you that have been to Disney World, I feel like you get there and you get into this like death box, basically this trap that gets you into these little carts that take you to this ferry. That if anything would happen, we're all fucking dead. It's like the immigration ferry that takes you to Disney World, and I'm like, I got nowhere safe on this thing. If anything happens, we all die. I mean, I th- you could swim. Yeah, you could swim, but it's like all the salmon getting released from the ferry if anything happens. <laughs> you're going to have to, like, climb on top of people to survive. I mean, they just, like, you're, you're like cattle. That's basically what it is. It's, it's cattle entertainment. It's human beings being funneled into all these lines oh see that didn't bother me i didn't ride the tram i did not like the tram when we took the tram over because you yeah. could take the tram too that i didn't like so we did the ferry all the whole time we were there oh man yeah i can't it's just uh unsafe to me sorry it's just i can't it's like going into a packed restaurant and yeah you're like oh, yeah i'm foobar yeah i don't like i don't like packed places of any kind like or, or if you're walking in and like somebody leaves you the seat of the table and the seat of the table is literally with your back to the entire restaurant, you're like, oh, yeah. this isn't going to work for me. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't want to sit here. Definitely uncomfortable. Yeah. So, but An- anyway, out anxiety. of the Disney world. Here. Anxiety. anxiety. You had anxiety because of the, fa- because of the ferry. Yes. You got, it wasn't Short-term generalized. anxiety. It was not generalized anxiety disorder, but you were anxious because of the ferry. And yes. so this is. So this is the thing. When we talk about anxiety, anxiety is a, it's just like stress we talked about last week. Anxiety is a natural feeling. So there's different parts of the, there's different parts of the brain structure. And let me see, let me find in my notes where this, this circulate, circulating uh, part is. All right. So worry of any type. So let's say your fairy will use, we'll use your fairy uh, example, right? Yeah. So you look around and you see, okay, there is nowhere for me to go. Right. And so that worry starts in the orbital frontal cortex. And that is the place where concern, where worry would start. And then from there in a healthy individual that kind of sends a bunch of signals to the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. And inside the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex is where reasoning would happen. So at that point, that's where you, because you're a healthy individual without any sort of disorder in your brain, you, well, okay, I, it would suck, but I would be able to swim to safety. I would be able to get the kids here. There's life jackets over there. This thing isn't going to instantly sink. It's going to, we're going to have time for people to get off like, right. And so then that sends signals to the thalamus and the stratum that then go back to the orbital frontal cortex. And then this circle of kind of like worry and calming happens. And there's parts of the brain that excrete uh, an upregulating hormone that cause kind of a, 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 a fear or a, a generalized um, elevated feeling. And then there's parts of the brain that excrete GABA, which GABA is then a, a down-regulating kind of a balancing hormone. or, or It's a neuron modulator, basically. So it's kind of this, this hot and cold. If you think of a, of a shower, and you, know, you go in your shower and you've got the one handle, right? Most of them have one handle. 
where you go all the way hot and it's just hot water coming out. You go all the way cold and it's just cold water coming out. But somewhere in the middle, it's blending the hot water and the cold water to get the right warmth for your shower. And that's kind of how this GABA and this, what is the other one here? I got to fucking remember what the other one is. Um, well, I can't even remember, find it in my notes, but basically it, that's how these two balancing neuromodulators work. One upregulates your worry and then one downregulates your worry. Well, in someone with an anxiety disorder, which is when we talk about anxiety, that's kind of what we talk about. We talk about people with anxiety disorders, which a lot of them are like generalized anxiety disorder, which is kind of defined as persistent, excessive and unrealistic worry about everyday things. There's social anxiety disorder, also known as social phobia. That is uh, everyday actions cause a slight uh, significant anxiety, self-consciousness and the embarrassment because of the fear of being scrutinized and judged negatively by others. There's PTSD, which is basically anxiety or worry, extreme worry that's triggered by a single terrifying event. That's why it's post-traumatic stress syndrome. It is or stress disorder. It is one trauma or one group of traumas that cause this disorder. And then there's panic disorder, which is an anxiety disorder characterized by unexpected and repeated episodes of intense fear accompanied by physical symptoms that may include chest pain, heart palpitations, shortness of breath, dizziness, and abdominal distress. There's other anxiety disorders that are kind of really loosely created, loosely connected to all this kind of stuff, which would be like OCD. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, so OCD comes from... This would be somebody that 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 secondary point of that example. So let's say let's use your example again, but we will we'll use somebody that either has OCD or has a really bad anxiety disorder. And so in the orbital frontal cortex sends that signal that that kind of uh, that that worry signal and it sends it to the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. But that dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex does not have a strong GABA response, so it's not able to balance out and, and reason with that um, the elevated response. So then it sends an elevated response to the next point, and then the next point sends it back to the, the, the orbital frontal cortex, and it goes in this basically this spiraling circle. And somebody like that, that would be somebody that would actually have a panic attack from being on that ferry. Or someone that isn't sure if they've locked their house and they go back twice to make sure that they lock their door. That would be obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, so these are all basically broken or faulty brain functions. These are actual disorders. These are people that need cognitive behavioral therapy along with medication to balance this out so that they are able to retrain their brains to deal with these anxious thoughts. Some of them need to be on this stuff forever because their brain just doesn't create enough GABA in the, in the GABA sections of their brain. But these are all anxiety disorders. Whereas a lot of people talk about have, I'm using finger quotes here, having anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Right? I know quite a few. Okay. These it's, it's are people. When things don't go their way, then so, all of a sudden it's like, wow, you're, I'm getting anxiety. I'm these are anxiety people attack. that are, these are people, 
and not all of them, right? A lot of shit that we talk about on here is generalizations and it's, it's hard for us unless I know a specific person, it's hard for me to say either way. Yeah. But a lot of people that use anxiety as kind of that, that coping mechanism are people that have a strong anxiety response, but it's not a disorder. The reason they have a strong anxiety response is because so if you were from Florida, no, let's go somewhere warmer. You're from Central America, right? You grew up in Central America. You've lived in Central America your entire life. And Paul says, hey, come see us here in Wisconsin, right? Mm -hmm. You fly here to Wisconsin. You get off the airplane and it's 20 fucking degrees. That's an extreme change. You are not used to. Your body is not changed for it. Your body has no idea how to deal with it. You've never even encountered it before, right? Yeah. Versus if you grow up here, your body is cold adapted. You know how to deal with it. We go up, we live our lives here. Yeah. Right? And so this is, and this is my speculation. There's no science behind this. But I think a lot of problems with anxiety is people that have such a comfortable life. They deal with so little when it comes to challenge or adversity. (laughs) You see where I'm going with this? I don't just see where you're going with it. I mean, I used to, you know, (laughs) have what's in a marriage with one. (laughs) And And so these these people, you their anxiety response is on nine one one. Because it's always at point oh oh one until something bad happens, and then it goes to fucking ten on a yeah. scale of a nine zero to nine. It goes to ten, or it goes to eleven yeah. on a scale from zero to ten. Whereas a normal, normally functioning adult that puts themselves in adverse situations has grown up a normal grown up life where they fucking have dealt with some challenges in their life. Right? They're they like to be at a point oh one, but man. Life happens, and there's there's days when they encounter twos and fours and sixes, and man, there's some stressful days at work where they encounter sevens or eights. Man, they broke down on the side of the road, and they had a seven the other day, right? They're yeah. on the side of the interstate, and they and they and their their brain went to a seven on the scale of zero to ten on anxiety. Yeah, and so when something bad happens, their brain has a a, a rational, anxious response. It has a rational worry. It, it creates that signal and then it creates that GABA neuromodulator and that balances everything out and you worry, but you rationalize. Right. Whereas somebody that is never encountering anything like that, their brain has not created, it's not, it, it doesn't, it's not used to creating a big GABA response in, in contact with a big anxious response. So all of a sudden something goes wrong. And they run out of gas on the side of the road, and it's the end of the fucking world. Yeah. No, it's exactly. Uh, <laughs> some people work so hard to create comfortability. They spend like they're almost their whole lives creating comfortability. And there's nothing against traditions. But if you expect that everything, let's say we got the holidays coming up, right? There's some people that are just so dead set on it. I'm speaking from experience here. Some people are so dead set on everything being exactly a certain way that if something falls out of line, then it escalates to like a 911 and they're on just high anxiety because 
like you said, they're used to, they have everything ratcheted down to like a 0.01 level of stress and their whole life is that way. So that's why it's so important to challenge yourself versus you don't have to have trauma in your life. You don't have to be, you know, an emergency responder. It's just, if you can challenge yourself at a four and a five level, induce some stress in your life. Your brain does not know the difference between the stress that you're putting on it and the stress that's happening because of a situation you're in. So if you are constantly challenging yourself, constantly pushing yourself, you are reconditioning and improving and intelligently upregulating your body's ability to modulate those elevated hormones. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's like we talked about last week, you know, with, uh, with stress. I mean, with worry. You know, even the Bible verse says, you know, who are you by worrying is going to add a single hour to your, you know, to your life. And it was funny because my son and I were uh, driving today and uh, the song came on. Remember the song, uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy? Mm-hmm. What does the chorus say? Yeah, don't worry, be happy. Yeah, if, if, you, if you allow trouble to take over, what happens? It doubles for no reason. And it's like, like you said, the body doesn't know what the external stress is. It just realizes that there is stress and it starts a response. And so, so and, and we don't like to just talk about this shit without giving you guys active you know, abilities to cope, right? And so if you have, if you think that you have one of these generalized anxiety disorders or one of these disorders where your body is really, you're not just going to be able to breathe your way through this. Like this is, this is what we talked about with, with, with Dr. John Delaney. You may need to get on some sort of an anxiety medication, but this isn't get on an anxiety medication and live on it for the rest of your life. This is get on an anxiety medication and then when you're on the anxiety medication, A, you take care of the shit that is causing this elevated issues that you're always dealing with, and we need some sort of therapy. Now, cognitive behavioral therapy is the one type of therapy that I see in all the literature that has equal to prescription drug results. The best thing about therapy, if it's a good therapist, if it's cognitive behavioral therapy, if it's you're actually retraining, and a lot of this is, is, the, sh- is the homework that you're doing in between because the way, that, the way that a cognitive behavioral therapist works is they are going to look at some things that cause you anxiety or cause you stress, and they're going to make you relearn how to handle those situations so that then you no longer worry about the future because in the moment you have retrained your brain that you can handle it and you are going to be able to deal with it. Um, but this comes down to, to going through the therapy and learning how to fix your problems and then weaning off the drug. Now, there are a very small percentage of people that just have chemical imbalances that will never be able to get off whatever drug they're on. But the majority of people, they're situationally depressed. They're situationally anxious. They've got themselves in a situation, whether it be an awful relationship or an awful job or a financial situation that stresses them the fuck out or a parent or I know I, I feel for 
parents who have children that are going down the wrong path because as a father, I don't know how I would handle the stress of my child getting involved in something like, like, a, like a really bad drug because you can't just write that person off. Whereas if that's a, a friend, you, 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 know, you don't want to, but if you get to the point where you're like, hey, I can't make you cure yourself. I'm stepping away from this situation. As a parent, you just can't do that. But any of these situations that cause whatever, whatever your anxious stress or depression is from, the, 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 the medication is a Band-Aid to help you deal with those problems. Yeah, I mean, I always look at it as the medication, I'm not a big proponent of it um, just because of how the VA throws it around. But the medications, like Deloney was saying, and what we're trying to say is, um, you know, for some of you guys to understand, I mean, when you're battling wounded, the first thing you get out is what? You get out the stop lead, the clotting agent, right? Yep. The gauze. And, but that's only right there. That's triage. That's, that's what you're doing to handle the immediate issues. But at some point, you got to take that stop lead out and you need to stitch that up in order for healing to start. Because if you just keep, band-aiding or clotterizing and just throwing gauze at it basically it's going to start being infected and it's not going to heal and you're going to you know massive scarring so at some point you got to take it out get yourself set it's like especially with anxiety like for me you know I, I don't think I dealt with anxiety I think I dealt with some PTSD but I had to get to a point where it's like okay now I need to stop self-medicating I need to develop some start developing some good habits right start in stress inducing some healthy stress in my body and set up, okay, I'm going to work out, you know, six, seven days a week, you know, or six days a week and be, have an active rest day on the seventh. And you start inducing that healthy stress in your body. Trust me, it takes, it's, it makes you feel completely different. And that's before I even heard of any of the, you know, the breathing techniques. So, you know, try that. I mean, that's the only thing that I can, I know, earlier podcast we talked about how to induce stress to your kids right they're like wow how do we make it tough on our kids well yeah you don't technically have to like throw them out on the street and see if they can survive for a week it basically you know get them on a good program where they have hard workouts you know make them work hard put them on some sort of regimen where their body's gonna their body isn't gonna care what it is it's just gonna be oh okay stress initiate the stress response and it starts creating that stress muscle, anxiety, you know, basically it's an anxiety medication, but natural. And they'll, they'll learn to deal with it. Same with yourself. Yeah. And along with all the other things that come along with exercise, I mean, the, the improvement of self-esteem, the endorphins that make you legitimately happier person, um, all those things come from, from that. But we talk about this all the time. There's no one, there's not one fix, right? We're going to throw, we're going to throw the every, everything we got at it. And by that, we mean start exercising, eat healthy, get a regular breathing practice or a regular, or, or a regular meditation practice, find a higher calling, whatever that is, whatever that means to you, find a higher calling that you're, that you're living for. Right. Yeah. Um, Work on your relationships around you. Yeah. But it's going to take work. And that's, that's the problem. I think that's the huge disconnect is that 
you know, people will come up and ask a lot of questions, right? And I would probably say majority of them want answers and majority of them already know the answer. But the problem is even if they want answers and know the answers, a lot of them basically they don't want to do the work. Also, they're like, oh, I got to do that. Oh, it's going to be, well, I don't know if I got time to do that. But you got time to worry. You got time to self-medicate. You got time to brainlessly watch a, whatever, a Netflix special weeks on weeks on end. I mean, it's, you have to start prioritizing your mental health. Speaking of putting in work, um, I wanted to take a second and throw a shout out to um, Garrison from Michigan. He's been longtime follower on social media. He actually sent me a screenshot from his 2022 Spotify. We were his number one podcast. He, he spent 1,900 minutes listening to Squared Away podcast. Um, Garrison was talking to me a month or two ago about he's been a mechanic his whole life um, and he wanted to buy a tool selling franchise. Um, one of the local, it's Cornwell, I think. Um, so it's like Snap-on and Matco, but just yeah. another brand. And he wanted to buy a, a, a local franchise where he would be, it would be his route, right? And this would be his, this is going to be his retirement career. And he was trying to figure out how to do it. And I, you know, I gave him some suggestions. I take zero credit for what I did. All I did is kind of work through what I know are angles that you can do to get some extra money to start a business. And man, he, he me a, sent me a picture of his business card the other day. He got it done and he's, and he's, he's started, he's out on his route now. He's got oh, his yeah. truck or he's getting his truck and, and, he, and he's, he's building the future for himself. And that's fucking awesome. Yeah. I told him now it's just time to grind. Now it's just time to work. And that's yeah. hearing those stories from you guys, man. I fucking I get goosebumps right now. I love hearing stories like that from all you guys out there. Yeah. And it's uh gosh, man, he realizes I mean it's gonna be a lot of work. Fuck yeah, it is. You know, I mean you own your own business, it's you're twenty four seven, but you know what? That freedom is, is worth it. Some some of you that's maybe not your calling. But no, and it's and that doesn't need to be okay. your calling. You could be the best goddamn janitor that you've ever seen. And guess what? There's people looking for those. I bet you, if you were a great, great janitor, I bet there's companies that are paying 35 bucks an hour for fucking janitors. Yeah, because you can't now. find people to work oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. So just be the best at whatever your calling is. Be the goddamn best at it. And yeah. pay attention to the details. Yep. We get we man, we covered a lot of random shit today. A lot of random shit. We drank some bone broth. Oh, we talked about mouth breathers. Talked um, about mouth breathers. We talked about fucking for, some for mouth breathers. Some shitty Italian fashion brand that nobody gives a fuck about. I'm not even gonna say the name. I don't think our listeners even we know. We talked about OnlyFans and Oh if you guys if you guys like comedy and you're you're my type of personality, I don't know if Martin could handle this. Um, Shane Gillis has a YouTube set where he does like short YouTube videos and they're fucking hilarious. And he's got one called only fans dad where it's a dad that lost his job and he's, he's on only fans and the kids don't know it, but they're downstairs eating dinner and he's upstairs, <laughs> he's upstairs doing his only fan show and they can hear him and they walk in the room and they're like, what are you doing? Dad? <laughs> He's like, he's like, this is how I'm paying for the vacation that we're taking. Are you serious? Oh, it's fucking great. So Shane Gillis, OnlyFans dad. I hope you guys have an awesome rest of the day. Peace. Later.